Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. It's one thing to say that you fully trust God, but if you struggle to accept His timing instead of your own, are you really trusting God fully? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah returns to the 37th Psalm for insights on what it means to wait on the Lord. Continuing the series, Making Sense of It All, here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, Trusting God in Times of Trouble. Well, friends, I can't tell you how many times I have read Psalm 37 uh, when I needed some encouragement and inspiration. This this psalm is just filled with instruction for what to do when you're going through hard times. It, it was built for this time in which we are living, and we're right in the middle of our study of Psalm 37. So if you have your Bible, make sure you turn to that psalm and be ready to join us as we open the Scriptures together going forward on today's program. We also are making available during the month of February a very uniquely special book written by Rob Morgan. It's one of those books that just comes down with everything you can imagine on one verse in the Bible, Romans 8:28. Every way you can look at this verse, inside out, outside in, from left to right, from right to left, from top to bottom, from bottom to top, here's what this verse means. It's illustrated. It's applied. It's made ready for you to put to use in your life right now. There never could have been a book more important for all of us than this one. God works all things together for your good. From writer Rob Morgan, who's sold over 5 million books, written over 40 books, and they all have the same quality. They're excellent. They're accurate. They apply to your life, and they build up your faith and encourage you. Be sure and get this book. It's Rob Morgan's latest, and it's yours for a gift of any size during the month of February to Turning Point. I hope you'll help us this month. We want to bless you with this book, and uh, we'll send it to you as soon as you send your gift. Just make sure you ask for the book on Romans 8.28 when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Well, friends, we need to get started and finish up our discussion of Psalm 37. So our Bibles are open, our hearts are open, and let's begin. As you know, the 119th Psalm is all about the Word of God. The Word of God is mentioned in almost every verse. But interestingly enough, the word delight is found six times in Psalm 119. And I want to run through these scriptures, and you just, if you've got your Bible open, you can just follow because I'm going to take them in order. Notice verse 16. I will delight myself in your statutes. Notice verse 35. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. 
verses 69 and 70. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. Verse 77, let your tender mercies come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Verse 92, unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Verse 174, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Now let me ask this question, class. Did you get it? What is the psalmist delighting in in Psalm 119? What is it? The word of God. He may call it the statutes, the law. He uses a lot of synonyms for the word of God in this psalm. But what David is saying is that he has found his delight in the word of God. Now here is the formula for what you do when you're trying to delight in the Lord. And and I know this will be a bit convicting to all of us, but let's just swallow this pill a little bit together and recognize it's the truth. Here it is. Your attitude toward the word of God is usually a mirror of your attitude toward the son of God. Your attitude toward the Bible is your attitude toward Christ. In other words, If you say, I delight in the Lord and you never open this book, you're just fooling yourself. Because where do you learn about the Lord? You learn about him in this book, don't you? So when you delight in the word, that's how you learn how to delight in the Lord. You know what will happen when you start to delight in the word? You will see him on every page. Even in the Old Testament, he is prefigured and prophesied and pictured and his typology is all over the book. When you delight in the word, you will discover all of a sudden that you're delighting in the Lord. I don't know that you can do one without the other because the word of God, both the written word and the living word are united eternally together. Do you delight in the Lord? When you're going through difficult times, get your focus off of your problems and your focus on your savior and delight in him. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. Isaiah 26, 3. Trust in the Lord is the first one. Delight in the Lord is the second one. Here's the third one. Commit your way to the Lord. This is verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. So we're going to say these three things together now, one right after the other. Are you ready? Here's our little formula. Trust in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Now, what's the difference between trusting in the Lord and committing your way to him? Well, the word commit means to take something that you currently have and totally and completely release it to somebody else. Literally, what the psalmist is saying is you should take your way, your life, and give it over to God. Commit your life to him. Roll your burdens on the Lord. Give your stuff to God. And don't hang on to it yourself. This is a common truth, both in the Psalms and in the New Testament. Psalm 10, 14 says, The helpless commits himself to you, Lord. You are the helper of the fatherless. Psalm 55, 22 puts it this way. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. 1 Peter 5, 7 is one of the first verses I learned as a little kid going to Sunday school. And here it is. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. When we commit our way to the Lord, we take all of the issues that we're dealing with in our own life. We take 
the inequities that we see in the world where bad people get promoted and we get passed over. We take the financial things that happen to us when we trusted people we thought were good and we discover they're not. We take all of that and while we try to do our best to manage it in the power of the Holy Spirit, there comes a point in time for all of us where we have to bundle all this stuff up and just say, Lord, this is way too much for me. I'm just casting it all to you. I'm giving it to you. I was going through what my wife still calls it Black May when I came here some years ago, many years ago now, we had one month. It was probably the worst month of our life. Just some turmoil that happened. It was just kind of one of those things. And I was overwhelmed. I was 40 years old. I'm telling you, this was a long time ago. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. I remember going into my office one day and walking into my office and seeing my chair sitting behind my desk. And I just kind of pictured, I said, Lord, I'm not going to sit in that chair today. That's your chair. I don't know what to do with all this stuff. I'm just going to lay it out before you. I'm putting it on your desk, Lord. It's yours. I never felt such a sense of relief in my life to know these problems are not mine. I've given them to God. And when you commit your way to the Lord, he will help you. He will take you through. Here's the problem that we all have. And you see if you're not like me. I give it to God. And then about two hours later, I take it back. <laughs> and I'm walking around thinking, you know what, Lord, I thought I got rid of this. I found that you got to keep doing that over and on. Lord, I thought I gave this to you, but I took some of it back. And here it is again. And you just do it until after a while, you begin to realize that you've committed your way to the Lord. When we commit our way to the Lord, we let him tell us the direction we're going to go. We let him tell us what we're supposed to do. And we let him help us know what we're to do with the troubles that are in our life. Release all these things to him. Let him take them all. So trust in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Here's the fourth one. Rest in the Lord. And this is not about what some of you do in church. (laughs) This rest in the Lord is verse 7. Notice what it says. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. To rest in the Lord is to be silent before Jehovah God without clamoring or presumptuous indifference. Here's, I love this. Hush before God. Hush before him. Sometimes you just have to get before the Lord, keep your mouth shut, and rest in the knowledge that he's in control. To wait for the resolution of the problem, knowing that God is in charge of the situation. And not only is he in charge of the situation and the solution, he's in charge of the timing too. And notice in this verse, we have two ways we can deal with problems. We can either hush before the Lord or we can fret. Do not fret. How many fretters do we have here today? Any fretters? Oh yes, it's a common practice. It's kind of the indoor sport for evangelicals, fretting. Well, let me say just a word about that. The word fret is only found where we're told do not fret. It's only found two places in the Bible. It's in Psalm 37 three times, and it's over in the Proverbs once. I want to show you where it is in Psalm 37 because you're open to that passage right now. Verse 1 says, do not fret because of evildoers. 
Verse 7 says, do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. And verse 8 says, do not fret. It only causes harm. <laughs> and then Proverbs twenty four nineteen says, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked. What David is dealing with is the same thing we deal with in our day today. He looked around at the world in which he lived, and he was under tremendous pressure and pain, and it seemed like all the bad guys were just, nothing was wrong. It looked like all the sinners were prospering and all the saints were suffering. And David didn't understand that, and he was tempted to fret, and so he uses this passage to say, well, wait a minute, don't do that. The English word for fret comes from an old English word, freton, which means to devour, to eat, to gnaw into something. The Hebrew word David actually used as he wrote this in the original language is the word kara, which has at its root the idea of growing warm and blazing up. Now listen carefully to what this means. Put these two pictures together. Think of fretting as a rat inside your soul gnawing away at you. Think of Satan as an arsonist setting little blazes of distrust inside your heart. David is saying something like this. He said, I have been young and I am now old. I have seen many things. I have suffered many burdens. I've learned many lessons. But based on a lifetime of experience, my advice is kill off the rats and put out the fire. <laughs> Do not fret. It only causes harm. When you think about gnawing and burning, what does it make you think of? Have you ever had an ulcer? <laughs> Lots of people today are, ulcers are just eating them up. I remember hearing someone once said to a patient, a doctor said to him, he said, if you don't cut out your resentment, I'm going to have to cut out part of your intestine. <laughs> because fretting is not only not a good thing spiritually, it's a very bad thing physically. And David said, fret not. <laughs> Do not fret. Because... If you put your trust in the Lord, you won't have to fret because God, you see, isn't finished with the wicked yet. You may think that those guys out there who are doing all these bad things, who are ripping us off and all of this, and you, why is God allowing that? Well, just wait a minute. God isn't finished with them. In fact, if you go through this psalm, you will discover God is in charge. Let me just read you some verses. Psalm 37, 2, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Verse 10, for yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. Verse 20, but the wicked shall perish and the enemies of the Lord like the splendor of the meadows shall vanish. Verse 34, when the wicked are cut off, you'll see it. Verse 35 and 36 says, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. I sought him, but I couldn't find him. Here's a little parable that will help you see what I think David is trying to get us to understand. Suppose Rip Van Winkle. Suppose he lived in Germany back in the 1930s, and he had watched Hitler rise to power spreading himself like a green bay tree and enslaving the small nations beneath his shadow. It would have been a time of terror, and indeed it was a time of terror. And so one day, sensitive Rip Van Winkle climbs a high mountain to get away from the chaos in the valley and see if he can see life in a little better perspective. And at the top of the mountain, he falls asleep. 
for 20 years. Oblivious to the horror and the suffering and the revolutionary changes caused by the Second World War, he descends the mountain in the early 50s and he's confused and bewildered by all the changes about him. A vacant lot where his house once stood. A prison reduced to bombed out rubble. A different flag flying on the city hall. Where are the brown shirts, the Gestapo, the concentration camps? Where are the armies of the Third Reich? Where is Hitler himself? The destroyer has been destroyed. And Rip Van Winkle, whether he's a religious man or not, can echo the psalmist. I have seen the wicked in great power spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away and he was not. And I sought him and I couldn't find him. And we're reminded that even in this world today, sometimes Almighty God plays out the drama of justice in just one single lifetime. If you had lived in the early days of my story, you would have thought the world was plagued with the insensitive, wicked cruelty of Hitler for as long as you could see. One day Almighty God sitting on his throne in glory said, that's enough! And it was over. And one day, my friends, all of the evil we see in this world that so troubles us that we'd like to scream out at, we put our trust in the Lord, and our trust is this. God is in control. And one day, you and I will wake up, whether on this earth or in glory, and it will be gone. And we will be in the presence of the one in whom we have trusted forevermore. So here's what David is saying. Trust in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Here's the last one. Wait on the Lord. Oh, I don't like this. <laughs> rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him, verse 7. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Let me just say this to you all. Time is nothing to God. It's nothing to him. And it ought to be more like nothing to us. God's never in a hurry. Why are we? God is never early. He is never late. He's always on time. And sometimes when we want these things to be resolved in our own schedule, we say, God, why don't you hurry up and get this done? And God isn't listening to us because he's not on our schedule. I hate to tell you that. God is not obligated to work out the issues of our life on our own schedule because God doesn't have a schedule like ours. God is not affected by time. When you are waiting on the Lord, here's what you're doing. It doesn't mean you have to be passive and sit with your hands folded and not try to deal with some of the issues in your life. When you're waiting on the Lord, you're not lagging behind him. You're not walking ahead of him. You're not indifferent to what he's doing. You're not worrying about what he's doing or what he's not doing. Waiting for the Lord the word wait is found two other times in Psalm 37, verse 9. The evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. And Psalm 37, 34 says, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. So trust in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Rest in the Lord. And wait on the Lord. We come to the end of our discussion I want to tell you that the Lord Jesus loved Psalm 37. Did you know that? Because one day when he was speaking and giving us the Beatitudes, he quoted one of the most important verses in the psalm that we have studied today. You see, there are many today 
who are saying the righteous are being defeated. They're saying in a sense that the righteous is foolish and there's no reward for being righteous. They see the success of sinners and the suffering of saints and they reason that virtue has no reward and vice has no punishment. It makes no difference how you live, they say. It doesn't pay to be good. I hear that and so do you. In its own way, that comes through in our conversation. But now the psalmist makes this great affirmation. So great that Jesus echoed it in his Beatitudes. Look in your Bibles at verse 22. Here's what the psalmist says. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. And the Lord Jesus going into Psalm 37, giving us the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5 said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And one of the reasons we don't get it is because we don't understand that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. Meekness is having all that you need to do whatever needs to be done, but understanding the importance of being restrained. And there never was anyone who was meeker than the Lord Jesus himself. We would not believe these words had we not watched him live. Even from the lips of Jesus, we would question the validity of these words. But listen to me. Let me remind you of who he is. He who could have entered the world as royalty came as a baby in a barn. He who could have commanded a conquering army rode into the city on the back of a borrowed donkey. He who could have crushed men into submission appealed to them with words of sweet reasonableness and loving acts of mercy. He who could have destroyed his enemies with a single stroke allowed them to lead him like a lamb to the slaughter. Yet let me ask you this question. Who has inherited the earth? (laughs) Christ or his enemies? Who alone continued his triumphant march through the centuries while kingdoms and empires and thrones and dictators have risen and fallen again? But here stands Jesus, triumphing over it all. The meek inheriting the earth. Jesus of Nazareth, you see, is history's supreme vindication of a Hebrew psalmist who once dared to predict that the meek would inherit the earth. Because of Jesus, the most righteous man who ever lived, crucified by the ultimate concentration of human wickedness and raised from the dead to the throne of the universe, we can believe that in God's world, it does pay to be good. Jesus shows us the way. And he says that while it seems as if wickedness is triumphing, just wait, just watch. One of these days, the scripture says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. What does that mean to you and me? We're on the winning team. We are. Some days you get discouraged and get a little bit disoriented. But when you begin to trust in the Lord and delight in the Lord and commit your way to the Lord and rest in the Lord and wait on the Lord, you will see Jesus high and lifted up with his arms stretched out over all the chaos of this world. And he is in control. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, the Bible tells us that. Uh, We know that from studying the scripture. 
Right now, we wonder. We look around, and it doesn't seem like anything is in control. But that's just because we look at it through our earthly eyes. When you look at it through the lens of the Scripture, you can settle back and know, right now, I don't know what's going on, but I know I have a God who is in control, and He's in charge. He's sovereign. Nothing sneaks by God. He has everything in His hands. And just to know that from the Scripture is to be able to settle back and... and Do what God tells you to do every day, obey him, honor him, and watch God work. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to talk about what you do when trials become your teacher, and we're going to review the book of Job a little bit, again, from the second chapter. We studied Job not long ago on the program, but we come back to him to be reminded that um, we can learn from our trials. That's the Friday edition of Turning Point tomorrow, right here on this good station. And don't forget, friends, um, the monthly resource for February is the book by Rob Morgan, God Works All Things Together for Your Good. I recommend this book highly. I want you to have your own copy when you send a gift to Turning Point today to help us in the cost of radio time and production. Ask for the book, God Works All Things Together for Your Good. That's where the money goes. It doesn't come to us. It doesn't come to me. It goes into the production of this program, which is now being heard all over the world and primarily here in the United States on over 3,000 radio stations, many of which air the program two and three times. We are filling up the airwaves with God's Word. And when you give to this ministry, you help us do it. Here's a book we want to send you that will bless and encourage and uh, help you in your walk with the Lord. See you next time. The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. How is God using Turning Point in your life? Write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book of comfort and encouragement. God works all things together for your good. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Making Sense of It All, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. 
You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca.